Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. to do something this morning that I did a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I mentioned uh, two Sundays ago uh, that it was beginning a week of uh, a couple of weeks of anniversaries for me and my family here. Uh, two Sundays ago was the anniversary of the very first time that we ever walked to the doors of this church as a candidate for the pastorate here. And uh, this past Sunday was a was five years ago. Uh, that this church on a Sunday night voted me in as your pastor. Uh, five years ago this past uh, Wednesday night uh, was the five-year anniversary of the very last time as far as in the position of pastor that Dr. Caldwell preached as, a pa- as the pastor here and five years ago today, this Sunday. Technically five years ago exactly yesterday, but five years ago this Sunday I stepped in to these doors for the very first time as your pastor. And I'm going to do what I did a few weeks ago, and I'm going to preach to you today the first message I preach to you as your pastor. And you say, preacher, why do you do that? Well, number one, because you can't always do that. You don't just have anniversaries all the time that mean something enough to do that. Uh, But then also at the same time as I began to pray about um, and and rejoicing at what the Lord has done for us in the last five years, uh, it came to my mind in prayer that most of our congregation did not hear these messages five years ago. And uh, and the Lord led me to do that. Now, this is not something I'll do often, but it is something I feel led to do uh, today. And I'll say this, between last night and listening, or technically this morning, uh, listening to a message and then also uh, in Sunday school this morning, both my pastor and the message I was listening to this morning and Brother Tommy in your Sunday school lesson, you both made a comment that let me know, have great confidence that we're exactly where we need to be this morning. Amen. So let's uh, read the Word of God together. 1 Samuel chapter number 1, begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, Now there was a certain man of Ramathaim Zophim of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, or Elkanah, depending on how you want to pronounce that, uh, the son of Jeraham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zoph, and Ephrathite. And he had two wives, the name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Panana. And Panana had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Panana his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters portions. And unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore, for to make her fret. 
because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou will indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and notice these next three words, and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child. Then I will give uh, him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it uh, came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long will thou be drunken. Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. And Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And they arose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord, and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And, and, El, and El Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and notice these next few words here, and the Lord remembered her. Amen. Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about, after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's bow for a word of prayer, and we'll get into the message that the Lord has directed us to this morning. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come in your presence once again as thankfully and humbly, Lord, as we know how. Thank you, Lord, for this great day that you've given. Thank you, Lord, for what this day means to me and my family. And Lord God, thank you, Lord, for this church that five years ago, Lord, took a step of faith and trusted in the leadership of their founding pastor. And Lord, more than just that, they trusted in the leadership of God, Lord, that you were bringing our family here. And Lord, what a wonderful Five years it's been, and Lord, we look forward to more years in the future of service together for the cause uh, of Christ, Lord, to serve you to the best of our ability with the time that you uh, have given us left, not only uh, physically uh, as, as individuals, Lord, whose lifespan is always quickly fleeting, but Lord, also as we consider the world in which we live and the lateness of the hour from a prophetical standpoint, Lord, we realize that we not only 
we not only are frail and finite in the length of our lifespan, but Lord, we realize that even if we could live to be a hundred, Lord, prophetically, we may not have that many years to accomplish your plan and your will for our lives and for our existence. Father, we realize that the day of your coming is soon approaching. Lord, we truly believe in the imminent return of the Lord Jesus. And Lord, we realize that you could come today. And Father, I pray, dear God, that you'd help us to be faithful, that if you're so faithful, that if you were to come today, Lord, we would not be ashamed before you at your coming. But Lord, we'd be found filled with faith and be found doing what you would have for us to do, living in a way that you would have for us to live, giving you praise, honor, and glory with our lives. And Lord God, with what we choose to do with it. Father, we do pray for these next few moments that you'd make it exactly what you would have. Father, I thank you, Lord, for directing us back to this truth that you showed to me so many years ago. And Lord God, how it has helped me uh, down through the years and has always had a special place in my heart. And Lord, I've seen you use this message all over, uh, Lord, this country. And Lord God, I pray to your Lord that you would use it again this morning as only you can. Please, Lord, I pray, have your will and way in this service as only you can. Forgive me of sin, empty me of self, fill me with your spirit. Use me, Lord, I, I pray completely and totally in this service as your messenger to bring your message to your people. Lord, I pray you would recall to my mind what you would have and help me to do nothing but follow the leadership of the Holy Ghost for this service today. Touch those that hear. May the lost be saved. May the saved be, uh, Lord, challenged and encouraged and strengthened and fed. And Lord, may the backslid come to a place, Lord, where they realize where they are spiritually and where you want them to be. And may they come and see fellowship restored uh, by your good grace. And Father, we'll thank you, Lord, for how you move in this service to come. And Lord, we thank you for what you've already done. In the name that's above every name, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. When we come to this passage of Scripture this morning, we are introduced to uh, a, a odd family of sorts. We are introduced to a man that the Bible says is uh, from a town with a very long name, and uh, all of his family that we realize is not what you named your children. Amen. A man of Ramathaim Zophim of Mount Ephraim, and uh, taught his name was Elkanah or Elkanah, and his, uh, he was the son of Jeraham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zoph and Ephrathite. Amen. Now, how would you like for that to be your daddy's name and your granddaddy's name? Amen. And uh, amen, I like my name and I like your name. It's much easier to pronounce. Amen. But we come to this uh, uh, family, El Elkanah's family is uh, a different family, no doubt. Elkanah has to be quite a man here in the scriptures because the Bible tells us he has two wives. Amen. And the Bible tells us that these two wives that he has are at odds one with another. Uh, there is jealousy within the home. There is jealousy within the family. And the Bible tells us a little bit uh, about why, and we'll deal with that more in a minute. But out of these two wives, we realize that verse number two tells us their name. The one is Hannah, and one is Penina. One uh, by the name of Hannah is uh, no doubt out of this passage as we've read, uh, the godly one out of the two. Now, I think of having being a man and having two wives would be uh, hard enough, amen, much, uh, much less having them at each other's throats all the time. And on top of that, one is wanting to live right and one is godly 
and one is wicked. The wicked wife is the one that Elkanah has all of his children by at this time. So we find an interesting family dynamic here in this passage of Scripture. And no doubt if there's anything that we find in the Word of God, it is men and women with interesting family dynamics. Amen. That makes me not feel so bad about my family and should make you not feel so bad about yours. Amen. It is just uh, it is just a part of, of the human existence. Amen. But here in this passage of Scripture, I want us to take a few moments this morning and uh, maybe tonight we'll see how the Lord uh, leads. Amen. But we will come here and I want us to look at uh, this first wife that is mentioned in verse number two uh, by the name of Hannah. Hannah in your Bible is one of the greatest, uh, if I can use that term, one of the greatest women uh, that God elevates in the canon of Scripture. Uh, she is a, a, a lady that I believe not only that every lady in here uh, could aspire to want to be like, but I believe there are characteristics in Hannah's life that each and every one of us that are here this morning uh, can take note of how she lived her life and find some great examples into how we should live our lives. Amen. By way of introduction, let me mention a couple of things about this woman, Hannah. Look with me at verse number 11. Uh, the Bible mentions here in verse number 11, the Bible says, and she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou will indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. We see there in verse number 11 uh, that we see her uh, mentioning in the prayer to the Lord that she is the handmaid of the Lord. She says in verse number 11, forget not thine handmaid. She says, look on the affliction of thine handmaid. She says, give unto thine handmaid a man child. A handmaid is a servant. Uh, when the Old Testament women had a handmaid, Made. It meant they had a personal servant. Here she is saying that she is the servant of the Lord. She's letting, she's calling herself before the Lord. Lord, you know I'm your servant and I'm praying to you and I'm asking you these things as your servant. In that verse we see that Hannah is a redeemed woman. She knows the Lord as her Savior. She calls herself the servant of the Lord. She is stating that she believes belongs to the Lord of hosts that she is praying to. Amen. And by the way, can I say this this morning, that only Christians, amen, that are genuinely born again are able to have that kind of access to the Lord, to have that kind of a prayer life. Amen. And so we understand that she is a redeemed woman. Look at verse number 16. If that's not enough, look at verse number 16. She mentions that phrase again, but she mentions it in a negative way. She says, count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. She says she's asking Eli the priest in verse number 16 to not count her, to not mark her, to not recognize her or treat her as if she is a daughter of Belial. She is literally telling Eli the priest 
uh, to not mistake her as a daughter of the devil. The word Belial is used in uh, the Bible in the Old Testament 24 times and is used once uh, in the New Testament. And it is, it is a word that means worthless. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 15, the only time that it is used in the New Testament, it is being used as a name for the devil. And it means that the devil is a worthless one. Amen. And can I say this this morning? I agree that he is Belial. I agree that he is a worthless one. He has never added any value into my life. He has never done anything but steal from me or destroy things in my life. And he's targeted me for evil in my life. No value has he ever added. Amen. She said to Eli, don't look at me and count me as a daughter of Belial. Can I just mention this this morning? It's not part of the message, but it is part of the text. Amen. When she says count us, she says count not thine handmaid as a daughter of Belial. I'm not trying to make any enemies this morning. I'm not trying to make you mad at me. But what was, how was she was looking at Eli and she said don't look at me as if I belong to the devil. Why did she respond to him that way? Look at verse number 14. <laughs> She's looking, Eli's watching her pray, verse 12. He marked her mouth. He's watching that. Eli in verse 14 says, How long will thou be drunken? Put away thine wine from me. Eli is looking at her, watching her pray without making any words, but just simply mouthing the words to a prayer. And Eli looks at her and says, She must have, she must have had, uh, uh, she must have had an abundance of wine. She must be drunken. And her response to him thinking that she was drunken and involved with alcoholic beverage, she did not say, don't mistake me for a drunk. She did not say, don't mistake me for doing something that I'm not. She said, do not think that I am a daughter of Belial when he looked at her and said that he thought she had been drunken. Obviously, drunkenness is a characteristic of belonging to the devil or at least acting like you do according to this passage of scripture. In other words drinking and alcohol and drunkenness God said don't have any part of. Amen. If you're around it, if you're a part of it it's something the devil wants you to have. She said don't mistake me for a daughter of Belial. Don't mistake and she thought, Eli thought she was drunken. She said no that would be something I would do if I belonged to the devil. Amen. She said don't mistake me for that. She's a redeemed woman and she wanted this man of God to know that she belonged to the Lord. In chapter number 1 verse number 20 she had her prayers answered. That's something that God does for saved folks. Amen. In chapter number 2 in the whole chapter she is worshiping and praising the Lord. That's something that only saved people do is genuinely give praise and honor to the Lord. Only Christians pray. Only Christians praise. Amen. It shows she was a redeemed woman. Number 2 not only was she a redeemed woman, but we see she was a remarkable woman. Can I say this, ladies? Let me say this to you this morning. Don't let 
the, the world and this liberal crowd out here try to keep you from coming to churches like ours because they say those conservative old-fashioned churches just want to keep the women down and they just say, oh, well, the men are elevated and let's keep the women in their place and there's no place for you here. Can I say this? Some of the most remarkable people that I have ever known in my life have been ladies. Amen. Some of the greatest Christians that I have ever known have been ladies. Some of the greatest examples in my life have all have been ladies and some of the greatest people in the in the in the word of God that God elevates to a to a position of great stature maybe not in a physical standing amen but in a spiritual standing God takes many ladies in scripture and elevates them like Hannah here at our passage to where all of us men and women can learn from her life and please the Lord in a greater way I'm telling you this morning, if you're here, man or woman, and you know the Lord, and you love the Lord, and you want to serve the Lord, and you're doing the best that you can to serve the Lord in this day and hour in which we live, that is a remarkable thing. Amen. When all of hell and all of the world wants to come against the church, it wants to come against the family, it wants to come against those that know the Lord to try to convince you that there is no, there is no joy that you can have in a life live for God and that there's no point into trying to live for the Lord and to serve Him. Can I tell you with all of hell being thrown at you and I day after day, moment after moment the fact that you're here in the house of God with an open Bible wanting to hear truth to me is a remarkable thing. Amen. And I thank God for it. This woman here is a remarkable woman. You look at how she lives her life in this passage and all of us have to say that's remarkable and I want to be like that. Amen. Her faith throughout these chapters. Chapter number one, chapter number two, the only chapters that mention her in all of the Word of God. In these two chapters we find enough. In these short few verses in these two chapters we find enough to mark her as a remarkable woman. You say, preacher, what's so remarkable about her? I'll deal with it more in detail here in just a minute. But one of the things that we note about Hannah is that Hannah had a life that was absolutely riddled with one problem after the next and one heartache after the next. And despite going through heartbreaking trials, she is a lady that never wavered in her faith. That's remarkable. There are times when we go through issues in life that if we are not careful and our faith is our faith is not anchored in God and anchored in the Word and anchored in prayer like it should and in the house of God and in the things of God like it should, the trials of life can shake our faith and rock our faith if we're not careful. Right, right. Here this woman is remarkable because she is staying steadfast before the Lord and she goes forward despite trials with a faith that does not waver. Those, can I say this? Those that are redeemed are truly remarkable. 
the world wonders how someone can go through so much and not buckle under the load. The world looks at you, and by the way, that's so, and that's why it is so important how we respond to the trials that God sends in our life. Amen. I believe personally that's one of the greatest reasons why God does send trials into the life of a believer is because there is a world that is watching on to everything we go through and everything that we experience. And if you claim to know God and you claim to be a person of faith and you claim to believe that Bible that you hold, there's somebody that's going to be watching you to see when the rubber meets the road and when, the, when your faith is put to the test, how are you really going to stand? How are you really going to act and behave? You do not see the you do not see the true essence of what a Christian really is until you see them walking with God through a trial. You will not see me at my, you will not see uh, the true test of my faith when we're on a mountaintop together. I will not see the true test of what, what faith you really have in God when you're on a mountaintop and everything is a rosy in your life. But when the bottom falls out of your life and you are in the depths of despair and you've cried so many tears that you don't know if you have any more to cry and your heart is broken in a million pieces, that is where you see the true uh, testimony to the faith yep. of a Christian. Here we find this woman by the name of Hannah goes through some of the most heartbreaking trials that anyone could ever experience, but yet her faith stayed strong. And all of us this morning, as we look at the testimony of her life in an inspired pen, as God marked it down in the Scriptures, we can find true strength and help from someone that went through what she went through and did not quit. Amen. And God help us to be uh, that kind of a Christian to an onlooking world this morning. Only one who knows the Lord can truly understand what it what allows a Christian to go through the things in life that we go through just like anybody else. But we don't quit. That's right. And we don't lose hope. And we don't throw in the towel. And these Bibles don't make their way into a trash can somewhere. Mm -hmm. But when a Christian is going through a heartbreaking trial and the Bible stays open. And the church attendance doesn't become less, but it intensifies. The visits to an altar, both privately and publicly in the house of God, don't become less, but they become more. Only those that know the Lord knows how that is even possible. Can I tell you what the answer is this morning? Uh It's all Him. Amen. I can't tell you the things that I've went through in life that I'm telling you I don't know what some of the things that I've went through in my life if I'd be here today if it wasn't for the fact that I had Him in my life. We read just after the song I read just a couple of verses out of John 14 this morning. Those are the same verses Brother Tommy that when I stood as a 16 year old boy to preach my father's funeral. Those are the verses that I opened to. You say, how do you do that? You do it by, by, with God's help. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. 
How is it when you lose a child, do you keep going? How is it when you lose the stability that you once had taken for granted in life and now it seems like your whole world is falling apart? How do you do it? There's only one way you can do it. You've got to get a hold of God. You've got to get linked up with Him. He's the only one that can help. Amen. She is a remarkable woman. But this morning, this is the heart of the message today. Because she is redeemed, and because she has a remarkable, noteworthy faith, we see that she also was a remembered woman. Notice the words of her prayer in verse number 11. Verse 10 tells us about the shape she was in. She was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou will indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me. What does she want? She wants God to remember her. She's begging God to remember her, for God to not forget about what she is going through, for God to have his mind on her while she's in bitterness of soul, while she's dealing with what she's dealing with. God, would you please remember me? Verse number 19 says, And they rose up in the morning early and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife. And notice this phrase, and the Lord remembered her. The story that we have before us is a great testimony to a God that answers prayer. It's a great testimony to a child of God that with heartbreaking trials goes to, their, goes to her God in prayer. And God does what he does in remembering her. He answers her prayer. Yes. She, he gives her what she stands in need of. She is a remembered woman. She is begging to be remembered. And can I tell you this this morning? I believe that as I stand here at preaching to you this morning, that that is the desire of the world in which we live. Here we find a woman begging to even be remembered by God in prayer. But we live in a world where people, as I mentioned in prayer just a moment ago, who live in this world in a very finite and limited existence, at best we may have 70 or 80 years of life Amen. On average here in this world and in the span of things, especially for those of us that are getting older, amen, all of us can realize that that time seems much shorter yes, than it's ever been. Right. We're not here forever. It's finite. It's limited. When you're a child, you think about somebody that's lived 80 years, 90 years, and you say, I have all the time in the world. But then you get to where you are in my life or where you are in yours, and you call your age, and you say things like this, how in the world did I get here? In just a moment, time has passed. And the older we get, the more we realize that too often rather than, than often rather than not, we look back on the years of our life and say, I wonder when I'm gone. And that time seems just around the corner. When I'm gone, will I even be remembered? Will anybody even care 
that I was ever here? Will anybody ever know that I existed? You think about the world that we live in today. Out of all of those, out of, the, out of the millions and billions of people that have lived on the face of this planet, we might know about hundreds of them, maybe even thousands of them. But there are millions that we do not know that lived and died an entire lifespan, and we know nothing about their existence. And we look at that and we think about that and say, I wonder if that's going to be me. I wonder if anybody will miss me, if anybody will remember me, if anybody will know that I was even here. This word, this, this idea of being remembered, that shows us the broad appeal of this text. People today will go to great lengths in order to be remembered. I remember a story that I read sometime uh, online. It was an article, uh, article online or website where they had worldwide news. Many of you may remember the story from many years ago. But the article that I read detailed an event in the United Kingdom. And it talked about when a, uh, a co-pilot of a German Wings airplane locked the pilot out of the cockpit and deliberately crashed his airplane into the side of a mountain in the French Alps, killing himself the pilot, and the other 149 passengers aboard the flight, three of which were American citizens. When the interviewers talked to this man's live-in girlfriend, they asked her if she had any idea that something like that was going to take place. Was it even in his mind? Did he mention anything to her about the thoughts that he had been having of such devastation? And she said, she said well, that rem I do remember a conversation from about a year prior to the interview and to the event. And she quoted him as saying, one day I will do something that will change the whole world system and then all will know my name and remember it. Now, I'll say this, I don't remember the guy's name. To me, that's not something worth remembering. That's tragic. I want to be remembered for something good, not something evil. Amen. But we think about wanting to be remembered, and someone would go to that length because it was all-encompassing to be remembered that, that some way, somehow, he would be remembered. And that was how he thought he would accomplish it and put himself in the infamy uh, status of the world by killing 151 people. Mankind has always wanted to be remembered for something when their life is through. I'll be honest with you this morning, there's nothing more that I would want out of my life than spiritually speaking for my children to be able to tell their grandchildren. Yes, sir. That was preaching that your great-granddaddy loved God, yes, sir. served God hey. all the days of his life, and spent the vast majority of his life preaching to people about a God who loves them and died for them Amen. and would save them and trying to point people to the answers that God has given us to life in the pages of the Word of God. Amen. 
We were sitting around the dinner table last night. And my oldest son looked at me. And I know it won't always be this way, but I want it to be. He looked at me last night and he said, Daddy, do you know who my hero is? He said, you are. Amen. His exact words, he said, Daddy, it's you. Then preacher Stan, Brother Wardlaw, and then preacher Wampler. Y'all are my heroes. His exact words was, you, Daddy, preacher Stan, and he said, and then your hero. That's what he said. And I said, preacher Wampler, and he said, yes. I want to always have the eye of my children, have the remembrance of my children, where they'll love their daddy and they will see not just their daddy, but I was I spent time praying this morning for my family. And I said, God, I want you to help me live in my home in such a way to where my wife and all of my babies won't just look at me as husband and daddy, but will look at me as a man of God that showed them how to live for God and how to live as a Christian and what a consecrated life to the Lord looks like. I want my boys to be able to grow up and get married and have a home and have a spouse and have children and they will know how how to be the head of their home and how to be a, a faithful man of God in their life because they know what, what it looked like in daddy's life. I want to be remembered for my family. I do want to be remembered for having a, I may not have a large ministry. I may never pastor a massive church. I may never make much of a difference in the eyes of millions. But I do want to be someone that when I'm gone, there will be somebody on this planet that will say, he made a difference in my life. Amen. He preached the gospel to me and I got saved. Amen. He preached to me the truth and my life was Amen. changed. It's not about me. Right. I want to be remembered for Jesus. Amen. Hannah here, she is not asking to be remembered for something in a worldly standpoint. She's not asking for men to remember her. She's not even asking for other women to remember her. She's not concerned whether Panana remembers her. She's not interested whether any of Panana's children, Panana's sons, and Panana's daughters remember her. She's not even interested. Now, according to the text, it doesn't even mention that she's worried. She's probably interested like many of us, but not worried whether or not Elkanah remembers her. She's asking to be remembered by one person. She said, Lord, if you will remember me. Well, you could go throughout the scriptures and find individuals that wanted to be remembered by the Lord. You can find occasion after occasion where the Bible says that the Lord remembered a certain individual. What a blessing that is. One of the greatest examples that I know of in the scriptures that took place on Golgotha's hill when that thief looked over at Jesus and said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. I'm glad to report to you the Lord remembered him. Amen. And he's in heaven today. And I praise the Lord for that. When it comes to Hannah's life, 
her request is to be remembered by the Lord. She's only interested in being remembered by God and asking God to remember her. She is literally asking God to make sure that she and her needs are not forgotten. If you remember several Wednesday nights ago, and uh, just the last couple of Wednesday nights, we've been uh, we've been in First Chronicles 16, and one of the things that I pre was preaching is about uh, the Bible talks about there that David was instructing the children of Israel to remember the Lord and remember things that the Lord had done for them. The same word there is the same word here. She's asking for the Lord to not forget about her. And the word that is translated remember in this verse, just as in 1 Chronicles 16, means to remember by never stopping talking about her. In my opinion, and this may be as far as we get this morning, we'll see. This morning... As I think about that word, literally what she is saying is, and I believe it's one of the greatest truths in, a, in an Old Testament historical narrative account like this that gives us the validation of a triune Godhead. Because if this word remember means never stop talking about it, in heaven who is God going to be talking to about Hannah? He's talking to himself. God the Father is looking at God the Son and God the Holy Ghost and he is from, she is asking that God would rehearse her problems and rehearse her case over and over again. In other words, don't let it leave your thoughts and not that it would, but she is saying and, it's a, and we find a, a human praying with, uh, with, with a human heart and human emotions saying God and we all understand and no doubt Hannah understands he's a God that it does not forget. That's right. He knows all things. He's not able to forget unless he chooses not to remember right. like he does with our sins. Amen. Amen. But a lady that's in bitterness of soul and emotional state, she just says, God, I want to know and I want to have, I want to have assurance that you're not going to forget about me and what I'm going through. Many of you may be here this morning and you have in your life felt that way from time to time, that God has forgotten about you and what you're going through. You've got this issue and that issue and this problem and that problem, and you just look at your life and say, I see God blessing all of these people. I see God answering all of these prayers. I wonder if God has simply forgotten about me. Can I remind you this morning that just as Hannah found out here in the text as she's begging God to not uh, stop remembering her, literally what she is asking God, it is, is it, when she says remember, she's saying to make a record of, it's almost like she's saying, God, even if you've got to write it down and make a note and sit it somewhere next to the throne, amen, just make a note with my name on it and what I'm going through. So when it comes time for you to bless somebody, when it comes time for you to answer a prayer that you'll be able to pull my name and my need and answer my prayer. Amen. She's saying, God, don't forget. Here we find this woman teaching us as she prays and as she reaches out to the Lord, she is answered from the Lord in the passage. And just like we saw in verse number 19, God remembered her. She found out that God is a God that remembers. 
If you're here this morning, you wonder whether God remembers you, whether God knows what you're going through. You say, preacher, it's been some time since God has answered my prayers. Can I just remind you that God is a God that remembers. Don't lose faith. Don't lose heart. Don't quit in the middle of the trial. You keep trusting in God. You keep letting God speak to your heart. You keep trusting in Him even if the heavens seem like they're brass. You trust that He's a God that hears an answers prayer. You, you trust that He's a God that does not forget. You may not feel remembered right now, but God will remember you. That's right. He's a God that hears and answers prayer. She's calling out to Him because she knows He is the only one that can provide what she stands in need of. And I would submit to you this morning, I believe that her focus and her affections were in the right place as she calls out to the Lord. Colossians 3.2 says, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. She's not wanting something worldly. She's not asking for houses or land. She's not asking going to be made a millionaire. She's not asking uh, for something materialistically or something to satisfy a sinful flesh. She's asking in this passage for a child. Yeah. I believe that, and I'm getting all over the outline this morning, but that's okay. I believe if you study the Word of God, you will find one of the most one of the things that God has implanted in the heart of every woman ever created. Now I will say this: I believe sin distorts yes, the original plan of God in the human heart. Yes, but I believe when God creates a woman in this world, according to this Bible, he, according to this text, even He puts in her heart a desire above anything else, human, humanly speaking, across the board to her fellow man to desire to be a wife and to be a mother. Yes. My, my wife could testify in her life and she has told many times and given her testimony that even as a young girl that was all she ever wanted was to be a wife and to be a mother. Everything else God would reveal in His own time. Everything else was up to the Lord to see fit what He wanted. But those were the two things that she wanted. Hey, hey, hey. Those are the two things that Hannah wanted. Hey. All throughout this passage, we find women. All throughout the Bible, rather, we find women. They want, they want the spouse, and they want their children. Amen. Here in this passage, but what are the two things that Hannah wants? She wants the love of her husband. She wants the attention of her husband. And she is begging God to do the other thing. She's got the husband, but she wants the child. And I said she's not. She's got her affection on things above. She's not even asking for the child. Think about this now. She's not even asking for this child in order to keep it. That's right. right. Do you realize that when God answers his prayer and gives her her son, uh, which becomes one of the greatest priests that God had ever had in the Bible, one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament, Samuel, when God gives her Samuel, you read the verses, she's not even asking for God to let her keep him. She said, give me a man child and I will give him to you all the days of his life. The Bible said as soon as she had weaned him, as soon as she could remove him uh, from having uh, to nurse, she brought him to the temple. She gave him to Eli the priest and said, he's going to be here in the house of God, serving God all the days of his life. 
for the rest of her life. We find it one time, I believe in chapter number 3 of 1 Samuel, we find one visit recorded in the past in the Bible that she makes to her son. She said, God, I'm begging you for a child, knowing that the only relationship she's going to have with him after he stops nursing is periodic visits. She's not asking for full custody of her son. She's just asking for you to give me somebody that I can give to you and I can honor you with. This is not a selfish prayer. This is not a selfish desire. I think about my family. I couldn't imagine having my babies enough for them to stop having the nurse and then not having them anymore. Could you imagine that? God has given us our babies for their whole lives. She said, I just, she said, I, I want this child and I don't even have to keep him. What selfless faith this woman has. God, we see that God remembers her. Let me ask you this morning. I'll stop here. I haven't even really gotten into the message, but the, I think the Lord has given us a message. What is it that we want God to remember this morning? What are our attitudes and what we pray about and what we want? Hannah here, one of the first problems I'll look at it tonight is the fact that she's barren. She can't have any children. She wants a child and her body will not let her have them. Her heart is broken. Her heart is in pieces because of this desire that she has. You may be here this morning and you may be here and you may think that your life's in pieces. But I will say this, as you and I, even as believers, we'll look at our situations in life and we will think that our life is in shambles and we're doing a whole lot better than Hannah was in this text. We have an issue of perspective in our day. We have an issue with being ungrateful we are here in the United States of America, those of us that are saved by the grace of God, really all of us that live in this country, we are spoiled. And the sky has fallen when everything doesn't go our way. And we will, we will act as if it's okay for us to lose faith in God over something so small. Right. Go ahead, Something so little, something so nonsensical. I'm not fussing, but it shows forth in our Wednesday night prayer meetings. All of our prayer requests for the man. But I'm not saying don't tell us about your health needs. Don't get me. I'm not saying that. But if you ever look at our prayer list and compare the physical with the spiritual, it is sad how skew it is. Me and Brother Lewis were talking on Thursday. Thursday afternoon, I think, Thursday morning, he was sharing with me the prayer request from Wednesday night. I appreciate him taking up those prayer requests. And then we just got to talking. We were talking about other things that we needed to pray for. And he started naming spiritual prayer requests. And he said, Preacher, those, those weren't mentioned. You don't have to put those down. And my exact words to him, I said, no, I'm going to put them down. Amen. They need to be put down. Amen. You know. Yes, sir. 
Yes. Talking about, we were, he gave the prayer request to Brother Cody, wherever, Brother Co there's Brother Cody, amen. Brother Cody mentioned for the schools yes. and for the physical situations going on in the schools. It, would you have ever thought that our school system would be in such disarray as it's in today? Yeah. Yeah. He asked prayer for that. Yeah. And Brother Lewis said, well, we, we need to not only be praying for that, but he told me, so we need to be praying for our students that are students in this church that are in the public school system that they would be a witness to those around them. That's a spiritual prayer request that needs to be prayed for and needs to be answered. Amen. There's a reason why God lets some people be in a public school system. It's for them to be a witness. I think that's why God God never let my parents be in a situation to where I had another option other than the public school system. My parents didn't have that uh, financial situation to be able to do that. And they didn't have, they both worked and they didn't have the time to have us in homeschool and nobody else would have been able to do that and to be able to help us with that. So the public school was my only choice. But God saved me as an eight-year-old boy. And everybody that I knew in school knew me as the preacher. <laughs> Most, Amen. if you walked with me down the, and I'm not bragging, because I promise you I wasn't always what I should have been. And I have great regrets about those days of being a greater light for Christ. But I will say, if you would have walked down the halls with me at Broom High School in Spartanburg, South Carolina, you would have heard many teenage boys when I walked past them said, All right, Rev, see you later, Rev. Amen. I knew they was Reverend, because I was a preacher. Amen. Good. They're trying, most of, most of those guys are trying to find their way to smoke a cigarette around back. And at the lunch table, I'm talking about being a, trying to get in the jails to go preach with a preacher friend or just doing a youth meeting or just doing a revival or something of that nature. Amen. That's what God had me there for a reason. I didn't have another option. And so if you don't have another option, shine bright where God's got you. If your job doesn't give you, if you can't work for the greatest environment, that's okay. Shine where God has allowed you to be. Be a light for Christ where you are. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Let me say this this morning. We need those spiritual desires. Yes, we need to stop looking at our lives as the <laughs> glass is so empty. But I will say this. While we do have a tendency to over-exaggerate our circumstances and we need God to let us have spiritual perspective, I will say this as well. There are some times that all of us will go through truly heartbreaking trials. And as I've given you this thought about Hannah just briefly this morning, can I just remind you about the fact that you don't need to give up. You go to God trusting that He will remember what you're going. You know why He remembers? It's because He cares. God remembered Hannah because He cared about what Hannah was going through. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your care. That word care there means burden. Casting all your care, all your burdens upon Him, upon the Lord, for He careth for you. Because He cares. Those two words means two different things. The first one means burden. The second one means His love and care and compassion. Cast. If you've ever been fishing, you know what casting is. You're not looking to drop it right in front of your feet. Now, some of you are probably like I have been at times in my life, and you got to be careful not to, out of zealousness, trying to sling it out far, make sure you don't accidentally hook yourself. Or a tree. <laughs> or a tree, that's right. 
But that, you know why we do that? It's because we're trying to get it out there as far as we can. You, you, you want it to get as far from you as possible. Why? Because the big fish aren't around here. Big fish are out there. When it comes to your burdens, God said, get as far away from you as possible. You cast it out there to where the big fish can get a hold of it. He's more capable. God is the big fish. He's more capable of carrying your burden than you are. Right. We'll crumble under the load. Guess who doesn't? He does. Come this morning. Cast your burdens upon the Lord. Cast your care upon Him. Let Him take what you're going through and hold it and handle it and take it away from you and let Him be the one that carries it to where it needs to go. You'll carry your... Don't, don't do what so many Christians do. Saying, God, I'm going to do what the preacher said. I'm going to go down the altar. I'm going to cast my burden upon you. And I'm going to pray. And I'm going to leave it here. And then when you get done praying, you pick it back up. You put it back on your shoulders. And you carry it back to your seat with it. Saying, I prayed. I gave it to God. But did you really? Don't carry it. Leave. Come to the altar. Come to God in prayer. You trust in the Lord. And you leave it with the Lord. And don't take it back with you. That's, right. That's, right. That's what Hannah did. We'll see more about that maybe tonight. Do that this morning. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com. <laughs>